0: episode of stories of the supernatural whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released links to videos or mp3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. go to marlenepardo.com for information on new book releases i narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms And can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab, at miamighostchronicles.com or find us on blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good I hope. You know the show is a little bit staggered. I do want to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, going into 2022, believe it or not, and also belated Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever the case might be. Um, I always make comments on this. Uh, I went to, you know, because I, you know I, this thing about the commercialism. I just went to the department store a couple of days ago, and it's like all the all the Christmas uh, Christmas trees, holidays, you name it. It's like shh, gone, and now it's Valentine's Day. It was like what? It's incredible. They've got this empty shelf space. Of course, they filled it up and it's like next holiday on tap. I was like, hey, hey, hold on. But yeah, that's that's basically the the way we run it. But yeah, we're into 2022. We're right there and hopefully it'll be a better year. (laughs) But anyway, guys, um, I promise I'm going to do my chicken thing. I've just been so busy that I haven't had any chance to do anything with my chickens. By the way, contrary to what I had said in my last show, that I was going to wait till the spring or summer to let one of my broody hens catch some chicks, uh, I decided against it. I have lost the chickens to that last, my nemesis, that large bird of prey. I don't know what it is. Thankfully, it hasn't come back. That... Uh, I decided I've got one of my small hens. She's a really good mommy. She's just she's like park bantam. She's really good. And she went broody and she I've got some stairs into a shed and she crept in there. And I'm gonna let her have seven eggs. Today being December 30th, the first day. I'll let you know if what comes of it in three weeks, 21 days approximately. Which is I'm gonna let her and then I'll just pick her up and the chicks and I'll put them someplace safe. I can't let them wander around or that'll be the end of her and the chicks because she's probably got eggs from different hens, but I could tell by the size of the um of some of the egg, the eggs that either they were laid by a bantam or one of my um one of my naked neck necks, and the chicks are really, really small. So I'll keep you posted on that. As a matter of fact, let me see if I can get a shot of her under the under the stairs before she like pecks at me and tells me, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, It's like, that's life on the farm. But anyway, guys, let's get onto the good part, which is who we have as a guest. This is gentleman. This is the first time he's been on stories of the supernatural. His name is Eric Altman and he hails from a small suburban town of Greensburg in Southwestern Pennsylvania, 40 miles East of Pittsburgh. And he still lives in Pennsylvania And he's had a lifelong interest in the strange and unusual. Yeah, right up our alley. He's a fan of horror and science fiction movies and spent a good portion of his childhood watching films of this genre. Um, He also, believe it or not, went to public libraries once upon a time. People used to do that, uh, educating himself on the supernatural and the unusual. And of course, he read the books, magazines. And grew up watching shows like In Search of, The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zones, The Monsters, and The Adams Family on TV. God, I remember that. Um, then in 1980, he was inspired by two films that came out, which was The Legend of Boggy Creek and The Creature from Black Lake. And this is what prompted him to start studying the Bigfoot phenomenon. And from that point on, his focus of in the paranormal turned over to Bigfoot, uh, the abominable snowman, the Yowie, and other strange man-like creatures. And in 1983, he met his mentor, Stan Gordon, which by the way, I've interviewed Stan before he's great at, uh, at the green gate mall in Greensburg at a UFO Bigfoot display. And he was, um, he began to follow Stan's work very closely. And, uh, he still, he, that was his mentor. He still works with him till this day. And of course he went back and he uh, started uh, doing research through archive newspapers about Stan's work. And and I remember this from when I interviewed Stan as far as how many years he has experienced as far as uh, history of sightings and stories, uh, et cetera. Um, For 19 years, he researched and educated himself on uh, Bigfoot, not only in that local area of Pennsylvania, but nationally and globally. Then he went on to attend the Bigfoot Conference in Ohio and he decided to start investigating with the uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania Bigfoot Study Group and became a volunteer field researcher for the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, It's is the BFRO. And people have heard me before on other shows say, nothing replaces field work, whatever it is that you're investigating. And um, he, he stayed in that field. And in 2000, he was appointed the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society which he held that position until 2014 and he went off to do independent research. And in 2016, he founded, and he is a director of the Pennsylvania cryptozoology society, uh, which the volunteers investigate strange animal encrypted cases in uh, Pennsylvania and the surrounding States. And he's uh, been involved in assisting with a person investigating close to 300 cases uh, in Pennsylvania and across the country. He's also traveled to other States investigating claims of Bigfoot sightings. And, um, he's hosted eight East coast Bigfoot conferences, and he's co-hosted the 2011 Pittsburgh UFO Bigfoot conference with the Pennsylvania chapter of MUFON. And he's currently the co-organizer and co-host of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot camping adventure. All right. Um, so help me welcome him. How are you doing today, Eric?
1: I'm well, Marlene. How are you? Good.
0: <laughs> even though it was self-explanatory, how you got involved with this, what was it? Even though, you know, originally, like you said, you were you looked at the paranormal. What was it about the Bigfoot phenomena that drew you in in particular for you to start following that
1: field so closely? Well, as you said, I was a fan of um horror and science fiction movies, and mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the 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 classic B movies. Um especially ones that dealt with um, monsters and different urban legends and that. And I came across two films, as you mentioned, uh, Creature from Black Lake, Legend of Boggy Creek. And The Legend of Boggy Creek is a docudrama filled, filmed out of Falk, Arkansas in the uh, early 1970s. And it was, why I say docu-drama. it's a documentary film, and they have dramatic reenactments or recreations of people who had sightings of supposed hair-covered creature that was roaming the swamps and bayous of the Falk, Boggy Creek area. Mm -hmm. And it kind of fit the genre I was interested in at the the time, but here's the possibility that a monster really does exist, and I found that fascinating. So um, as a 10-year-old, I wanted to find it as much as I could, and uh, I just started devouring anything I could could on the subject, whether it be uh, In Search of on TV, which I watched as a child. Um, right. Newspaper articles, books, magazines, anything I could find on the subject matter to see if there was really anything to it. And the more I studied, the more I learned that this wasn't just a, a phenomenon that was going on in one part of the country. This was a global phenomenon that's going on all around the world in different countries. Um, and that was really fascinating to me because, as a ten-year-old, you don't—you're told by your parents there's no such thing as monsters, there's nothing mm-hmm. scary that hides under your bed well, here's the real possibility that a monster does truly exist. And back in the 1960s and 70s, Bigfoot study was really in its infancy. It was just starting to yes. become, um, it was a growing phenomenon and more and more people were coming involved with it. And here's the real possibility of uh, some kind of hair-covered man-like creature that's roaming our forests and swamps and, and uh, rural areas. And I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it. So I began to study and educate myself and uh, try to find out if this really truly was a a real legitimate phenomenon. And here I am almost, gosh, 40, 41 years later, and uh, I'm still studying it. I'm still investigating cases. Um, And I'm probably about 80% convinced that the creature is real, that there is something to the phenomenon. I do believe that the phenomenon itself is real. Um, Mm -hmm. People are seeing something, they're finding footprints, they're having experiences, And as I mentioned, it's a global phenomenon. It's not just uh, delegated to one part of the country, the Pacific Northwest or uh, the the swamps of Florida. This Mm -hmm. is a global phenomenon. So there's something to it. It's been going on and and studying this, I've learned it's been going on now for hundreds of years. There's um, literature and documentation that goes well back into the 1700s, if not further. There's Native American tribes that talk about this phenomenon far before white men were here in the United States. So it's it's a very interesting phenomenon. It's a very complex phenomenon. And mm-hmm. it's something that's always intrigued me. And uh, that's why I'm still studying it today.
0: Right. And this is, um, because you know, um, I interviewed back in 2017, Jim Smith with the uh, Alabama Bigfoot Society. He He's passed away since then. And <clears throat> he had been doing it for a long time. And he would tell me, He goes, you know, in all these years, I had people come and tell me stories. And he even had at one point people that would have sightings, like they would be going down the road and they would see something that they would even call the police and the police couldn't do anything about it. So the police, after a walk came and brought them over to his house. And he said, look, whatever it was that they saw, I don't know. But they they believed what they saw something. It was Bigfoot. They it wasn't like they were lying, like, you know, they they saw something that scared them and like they, something that they couldn't believe that they had seen. Right. Uh, So he says, you know, that you could say, well, there's some people that they're imaginative or they're lying. He says, but that leaves a whole swath of people that have actually either seen or heard or something that they can't make fit into all the rational explanations, including, he said, you know, even people that are very familiar with the outdoors, like hunters, outdoorsmen that they know, you know what are the sounds that you hear in the woods or the things that you're gonna see? They themselves have experiences that they like, okay, this is not your the the cougar, the whatever type of animal is in that area, the bear um, and they you know, and I've even heard that some of them even lose uh, some of the deers that they've shot, you know they they lose somehow or other the 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 carcass ups and disappears so that there's definitely something there. Absolutely. And like you said, even when native Americans, this was before that you could say, okay, they, they were influenced by, you know, whatever, seeing this, this was long before any of that, um, that there was no reason they were just describing exactly something that they were, that was in that area. That was in that area. Do you think that, um, what do you think? Do you think that mostly that they're just really good at camouflaging themselves? Is that why sometimes they're just not seen as often? They're there; it's just that we we don't see them.
1: I think there's a couple reasons why we don't uh, have good documentation, film footage, video footage, camera footage, uh, why we don't experience them more often. Is first and foremost, I think there it's a very small population. I don't think okay. there's tens of thousands of these things around the world. I think it's a very small population. I couldn't even begin to guess how many, but it's a rare animal. And Mm -hmm. um, if it is in an area, it it is probably a small family unit in that area. And that's it. They're not behind Mm -hmm. every tree. They're not behind every bush. Uh, Every time you go out in the woods, you're not going to see a Bigfoot. It's a very small population. Um, Secondly, I think they do camouflage themselves very well in the woods. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is their home and, and that's what they're well adapted to. So being a brown, a black, uh, a dark gray colored animal, they blend into their surroundings very well and um, they're familiar with their surroundings. So they know how to stand perfectly still and look like trees or hide well enough in a bush that you don't see them as you walk by or remain quiet and stealthy enough that you don't hear them unless they want you to hear them. So I think that, you know, when you do have an encounter, it's a chance encounter it's a chance sighting. That's mostly Mm -hmm. accidental. It's not on purpose. And I think they're just masters of their own domain. They camouflage themselves and hide very, very well. And that's why we don't have the the excellent footage, the uh, the, the game camera photos. I get that uh, asked all the time. We have thousands and thousands of game camera photos that are out there. Why haven't we caught a picture of one of them? I think they know the cameras are there. And they right. Just they're intelligent enough to know what it is. Yeah. It's like putting a TV set out in the, the, the woods, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, in your own home, if something's out of place in your home and something just appears, you're going to know it's there. Exactly. So, I mean, they, they probably know these cameras are there. They either I know bears are able to smell the petroleum in game cameras, and that's why they chew them off of trees and rip them down. They try to get into that game camera, and okay. they probably emit either an odor or a sound from the the equipment, yeah. or even the infrared light infrared lights that some of them give off to take pictures at night. Um, the the creatures I I have no doubt know that they're there. And that's why they avoid the game cameras. That's why we don't get good pictures of them.
0: Right. Have you ever seen one? Have you ever had the chance to see something?
1: Um, I've had multiple very strange encounters in the forest. I, I can't say we're definitively Bigfoot, but they mm-hmm. are not common wildlife. They're not They're not people. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say what they were. And I've never seen a Bigfoot to step out of the trees that I can say, yes, that was a Bigfoot. I've seen right. fleeting glimpses of things that I, I just don't know what they are. I shine. Um, I had an experience in Ohio back in 2008 where I thought I saw something large step up, stand up from behind this four foot high brush line. And uh, I saw the form in my high beams of my vehicle for just a split second. But I couldn't tell you what it was. It just looked like something that stood up. I've never seen one clear enough to definitively say, yes, that's a Sasquatch or yes, that's a Bigfoot. Um, But I've had multiple experiences and encounters, whether they be audible encounters, hearing something seeing eye shine that's so high up off the ground that right it doesn't fit your deer your bear um, a person um, and just having some weird experiences in the forest that really make you scratch your head and think yeah there's something going on out here but uh, right, no, not, right, not right. definitively
0: well, yeah because and, and and that's that's the thing that some of the times, like you say, it, when I made, you know, I've heard of stories of people that are very familiar with, let's say that area, and they know all the animals that exist out there and what mm-hmm. they look like or what you said, you know, at that height, you know, that, w- w- what else could it be? It kind of eliminates a lot of your of your possible animals that are in that vicinity. And then, right. like you said, and uh, I've also heard that some of the, uh, how can I say, the, the calls that they make that, after a while, you the people that have studied them, they say there's there's no other animal that sounds like this. Almost like the right. vocalizations cannot be made by the known animals in
1: that area. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the audible reports that I get, I, I talk mm-hmm. to eyewitnesses. They often describe it as something with a very large lung capacity. They, mm-hmm. I mean, just they're feeling it in their body that a bear or deer is not going to emit that powerful of a sound. So it has a really large lung capacity to make that kind of sound and project that kind of sound. And uh-huh. um, with advances in technology now, we can see the spectral range of these recordings. If we capture something on audio, we can look at that spectral range, compare it to other known animals and see if it falls in that spectral range. And if it's well below that, then we can say, okay, that's definitely not a deer or a bear or whatever. It's something different. Right.
0: Like exactly, like that's what I'm saying. That especially with, like you said, that like, nowadays they have technology where they could say, they feed it into a, some type of program,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they could say, all right. Besides the the knowledge, let's say this doesn't, this is not a wolf or a, an it's owl not. or a cougar or whatever, whatever's in the, indi- you know, that indigenous to that area as far as uh, wildlife. Right. Uh, I have heard a couple of recordings myself. You know that I've heard, and I was like, if I heard that and I was in the woods, I'd be like, what. <laughs>
1: What that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna go looking for it. How's that? Not yeah, that it was and, scary, and but I've you can tell like it's
1: that. Yeah, I've heard things like that in the forest myself that really make you pause and just kind of look at your your research partner and say, "What the hell was that?" We <laughs> one, like, one example. Um, just this happened this past year. We were uh, hiking in the, on a trail at night, and we heard what sounded like giant owls. And we know there's no such thing as a giant it's a giant owl, owl. <laughs> but something in the woods was very loud and very powerful sounding making that hoot sound and it mm-hmm. wasn't a barred owl it wasn't a, a barn owl it wasn't any, anything we're uh, anything we're familiar with it was very loud and it was very close and we, we right. took pause and looked at each other like yeah that's the biggest freaking owl i've ever heard yeah, it's like do i really for, and for all we know maybe they do have the power of mimicry where
0: they've learned how to mimic other. Uh, other types of animals, but of course, like you said, with the lung capacity, when they do the mimic, it sounds like, wow, How big is that animal yeah. that's doing that? Yeah. So, um, I've also heard the theory that, um, do you think that there's any danger that they're, like you said, they're rarer, that they don't have, they, in other words, that their numbers are shrinking because they don't have, um, how can I say it, enough other Bigfoot to basically mate and reproduce and, and yeah, I, I replace the,
1: the ones that are dying? Yeah, I think there's, there's a very good possibility that their numbers are dwindling and, and the population is shrinking. Um, if there were more of these things, we would definitely have more definitive proof than what we have right now. Um, okay. That's why I, I really strongly believe that the population is, is in a great amount. It's a smaller number of, of creatures that are out there. And with the smaller number of creatures out there, obviously they don't have the breeding capacity or numbers to continue their species. So we may be looking at a species that eventually dies out and goes extinct because of such a low low number. But um, unfortunately, I'm not a scientist, so I I can't answer that as as far as technical terms or scientific terms. But just Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think that the low number of these animals, eventually, unless they're able to continue to breed and there's so many theories on, on that itself. Um, okay. unless they're able to continue to breed, eventually the population is going to die out.
0: And, 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 you know, you hear about all these different versions, uh, of Bigfoot in different parts of the country they, that they get like their own name and yeah. some of them, uh, they look different. Some are bigger, some are more aggressive, some are smaller, some, are... and what do you think that is, uh, that they just, that they've basically stayed in that one
1: area and developed these characteristics, let's say for that environment. Exactly. Um, I I think uh, there's so many little small towns that have their own name for Mm -hmm. these creatures, whether it be Knobby out of North Carolina, um, the Swamp Ape, or the Skunk Ape out of Florida. Um, There's so many different names, and the Native Americans had over 200 names for these creatures. There's 200 different tribes that had names for them. So I think it's an environmental reason, and I also think it's a... Geographic location and what's in that area. What food sources are there? um, The type of people that live in that area if there's there's encroachment going on if Mm -hmm. there's um, Destabilization of the environment where they're tearing down trees building more and more homes There's a lot of things that will play a factor into these animals whether it be their size uh, their aggressiveness um, their demeanor, I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to that and um, Like here in Pennsylvania, They're thought to be uh, thinner, um, more lanky, uh, if you will, um, wiry description of the creatures. And they're not like 12 to 15 feet in height. They're usually six to seven feet, maybe eight at most. Um, And and as I said, they're, they're not really aggressive, but they're very thin. And I think the reason why, just in my opinion, why they're thinner than, let's say, like the Pacific Northwest is you have a different environment. Here you have some mountainous terrain, but not like you do in the Pacific Northwest where you have thousands upon thousands of acres of forest and a vast food source and water source where you don't have that same environment here in Pittsburgh. It's in Pennsylvania. It's it's a it's a different environment altogether. And I think that food source is smaller. Therefore, they don't get the abundance of food as they do like the Pacific Northwest or in Texas or Louisiana in the swamps, where they have a completely different environment and they have a different food source down there. So I think it all, I think it does uh, really contribute to um, where they're at, you know, where, where they're at in the country and the environment that they're in, the people that live there. I think a lot of, a lot of that plays factors into the type, size, aggression, um, what, what you call it of the creature.
0: Right. Right. And because I tell everybody, people don't realize I go, um, whether he's seven feet or 15 or eight, I go, do you understand the amount of food that an animal, an animal, when I say animal, whether it's a human, you have to intake caloric intake to sustain that body mass Um, as far as uh, and sometimes because I I, want to say, you know, a lot of people get into this, trying to get into the side of the head of a Bigfoot. I'm thinking something as big as that probably spends the majority of its day feeding itself. Mm-hmm. You know, or in other words, searching for food or hunting, if that's what it needs to do. Just because it needs it to maintain itself, whether it's the body warmth, the temperature, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, And like you said, I think that every once in a while, like with hunters, maybe it'll follow hunters because maybe it's an older member or sick and they know, Hey, I can get one of their deer. You know, in other words, like you said, they know when the hunters are in the area, they're going to bring down some type of prey that maybe, yep. you know, I did something to my foot and I can't chase that deer anymore. Right. Um. You know, I think that sometimes it's mostly their pursuit of for themselves, not because they're, they're I think they try to avoid us as much as possible unless they're forced into some situation Do you think that Bigfoot are just that? When I say animals, I'm going to use animals as whether people say they are some type of primate offshoot. Do you think they're just strictly
1: physical animals? Um, That's a really a tough question to answer. Um, Right. And the reason I say that is when I first got into this um, many, many years ago, that was my line of thinking was that this was undiscovered primate. Mm-hmm. And solely that it was just something that wasn't discovered yet something off the evolutionary chain that's evolved, but not completely into the human, um, the homo sapien range of primates, but it, somewhere in between, like a missing link, if you will. And I okay. thought of it nothing more than an animal, but the longer I've been in this and, and find and interview more people and, and find more information about it. not sure sure it is a just a primate um i've talked to people that that have seen this thing pretty close and they describe it more more having more human characteristics and human description looking more like a like a feral human if you will rather than Mm -hmm. an ape Um, so at this point it's hard to say it really is it's hard to say what this thing is and uh, until we have a live specimen captured or a dead specimen that that can be studied and, and have an autopsy done and studied that way we just really won't know but I, i'm not sure right i is. know what I you're thought. saying
0: that that's the, at the best a speculation based exactly. on eyewitness accounts yeah what do you think of reports of an up that there's um ufo sightings coincide with an uptick of bigfoot or cryptid sightings do you think there's any validity to that I mean, I've heard of that,
1: and Um, I don't know if it's just chance. I think there's some kind of connection. I don't know what it is. Um, All right. And the reason I say that is because, especially here in Pennsylvania, um, we have a long history of these creatures being seen at the same time as a UFO sighting has taken place or shortly before or after Mm -hmm. um, one or the other have happened. Um, there have been multiple sightings, especially in the 1970s. I'm sure Stan talked about that when he was on your show, that yes. there were a number of sightings where there was a UFO sighted either at the same time as a Bigfoot was sighted and the eyewitness experienced both. Or there was UFOs sighted a few days before in the, the air general area and then a few days after the Bigfoot was reportedly seen. Um, I think the whole paranormal is in some way or another is all connected somehow. I haven't figured that out and I don't think I'll ever be able to figure that out. Right, right, right. And connection there. Yeah. And and one of the things that stuff, I think, yes, it's some way connected.
0: Right, right. And and one of the things that stand, I guess, because, you know, when you when you track stuff for so long is when you're actually able to see a pattern Mm -hmm. or. okay, you know, we've got all these UFO sightings, and well, look at this in that same area. It might be a couple hundred miles in diameter, but I'm saying we also have a surge in. Bigfoot sightings and if you see that happen more than once then you're thinking okay is there correlation between one and the other um, and I guess that's <clears throat> that's why I asked you because I, I've heard also, also other theories um, are these Bigfoot if not all of them some of them are they do can they are they coming in through interdimensional rips is that why we can never find them is that why we can't come across or Is that just strictly just two parallel things, but they don't meet, you know, this is going on the, on the Um, supposition that you have interdimensional travels from UFOs.
1: Right. Well, along with the UFO and Bigfoot thing, there are people that have claimed that they've seen a Bigfoot materialize and disappear right in front of them. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking just step behind a tree and hide. I'm talking physically it was there and then it just kind of just disappears. And they they relate that to possibly uh, an interdimensional travel. And and there's a lot of experienced researchers who are now coming forward and and throwing that possibility out there. I I don't think I can do that yet um, simply because we don't know anything about interdimensional travel. It's all speculation. It's all hypothesis. It's all guessing and presumption. So I I can't say that Bigfoot is an interdimensional being or not. but I've talked to people, and I've talked to quite a number of people over the years that claim they've seen a Bigfoot walk in front of their car, and they could see cl- plain as day with the high beams on it, and it, it just – one second it's there, and the next second it's gone. And it didn't continue across the road. It was just there and gone. Right. Uh, is and that's, possible- a pretty big,
0: that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, is, is it, it possible like that Bigfoot
1: has some kind of pheromone that it puts <laughs> off to make maybe confuse our senses or sure. – ultrasound, it puts off a, a very low based, um, low decibel sound like tigers do. They kind of, they do that to stun their prey. Um, is it doing something like that to maybe confuse our senses where, you know, we just don't see it anymore. I don't know. Again, I'm not a scientist, so I I don't know what this animal is capable of doing uh, or not capable of doing, but I hear stories Mm -hmm. from people all the time Mm -hmm. and talk with other researchers from around the country who share the same similar stories. Um, as a researcher i have to remain open-minded i'm skeptical and i'm very cynical about a lot of what i hear and a lot of what i investigate but i have to keep that open mind and i have to explore all all possibilities i can't just throw it out because i don't personally believe that's happening so i have to look into it to see if there's anything to it and in some cases i found maybe there is something weird going on here that just can't be explained by modern science Um, the ufo bigfoot connection I think there's some kind of connection going on there, but is it the whole, does it encompass the whole Bigfoot and UFO phenomenon? I don't think so. I think it happens in a very small percentage of cases. And there are cases that, that do, like as I mentioned, they do tie the two in together somehow in some way or fashion, but um, not enough in my opinion to say you know, it's, it's encompassing the whole phenomenon. I think people are seeing something, they're experiencing something, they report it. I investigate it and try to get to the bottom of the, to see what the real answer is.
0: Right. Because that's how you basically, you like, again, short of an actual carcass. Everything yep. is just speculation based on eyewitness. And of course, you know, what, what, what's the quality of the witness? In other words, as far as <clears throat> you meant, it mentions in your bio that you also investigate into cryptids. Mm-hmm. What, what, uh, What's up there in your, in Pennsylvania, in your area? What in are we, have,
1: uh, we have a couple different strange creatures that have been reported and seen over the years. And some of them are a little far-fetched in my opinion, that mm-hmm. I don't see how, how they could physically exist. But um, we've had reports of upright walking canines. They call them the a dog, dog man? man. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they're becoming more and more popular, if you will, amongst um some researchers as far as getting the word out there and investigating cases and claims. Um, I have never investigated. I've, i taken that I have one case. I investigated as far as a dogman report is concerned. Um, and I wasn't able unfortunately to meet with the eyewitness to go to the exact location to see if there was any validity to it. But mm-hmm. I've only ever had one case presented to me about the dog man phenomenon. Uh, others, they have them dropped in their laps all the time. Um, so, But the dogman is something that's becoming more popular in Pennsylvania. Um, The Thunderbird phenomenon has been an ongoing phenomenon in Pennsylvania for quite some time. And what the Thunderbird phenomenon is, is a large bird that's described as two different types of birds, but they're lumped in the same category. The first type of description is like a pterodon or pterodactyl type of bird, Mm -hmm. Um, a leathery membrane or reptilian membrane around the the body very large wingspan anywhere from 8 to 20 feet in length large talons a large beak and a pointed um crest like a, right, a sagittal right. crest but a point on the top of its head much like a pterodon or pterodactyl but no no feathers no feathers it's completely featherless and usually black in color um, cool. the other bird that's reported is a bird that does have feathers They're usually black or dark gray in color um, some of them have a white ring around its neck a very large beak large talons, and a wingspan of anywhere from, again, 8 to 20 feet in length, and a very, very massive-sized bird. Um, we get those reports quite frequently, and throughout the state it's not common in one particular area. Um, we get them, I think the the last couple of reports that came in were this past, I want to say, August, September. Um, okay. We've got reports in Pennsylvania, people seeing them, From their cars or outside walking a dog and happen to look up and see this enormous bird fly over Um, that happens not as frequent as the bigfoot sighting reports come in but it does happen Mm -hmm. quite frequently um those are the two main cryptids we get reports on here in pennsylvania aside from bigfoot occasionally we'll get uh, a giant snake reported um anywhere from 12 to 20 feet in length very large um I remember reading a report from the 1960s, I want to say, of a, a very large snake that was as large as a stovepipe coming out of a cabin they, they compared it to. Wow. Um, so occasionally we'll get the large or giant snake reports. And um, I think aside from that, we get some really strange reports that don't fit into the realm of cryptids. We had mm-hmm. one back in 2012 of a giant walking gargoyle-like creature with large wings really? on its back. Yeah, it crossed the road in front of a, a car and somebody watched it walk under a road sign that was eight feet in height and it just walked, it didn't have to stoop down, it just literally walked right underneath it so it was pretty tall. Um, I think it was about seven and a half, eight feet, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we get the really one-off, one, one-off shoots cryptids occasionally too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania is a very strange state altogether. There's some weird <laughs> stuff that happens up here.
0: Let me ask you. I'm, I'm, this is a little bit on the offside because I, I did an article on this. I, I don't know if you're in that area. That back in the '60s, I think it was that there was um, there was a guy that they called the Green Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that later turned out, you know, people would talk about seeing him on the road, and later t- turned out that he was a real guy that had had a really yeah. disfiguring accident. Yep. And, yeah, and uh, and he was turned out to be a nice man. He just had been disfigured because he had had a childhood accident.
1: Um, yeah, but when you're, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That actually happened in uh, a suburb outside of Pittsburgh. I think I believe in Beaver County. And he, unfortunately he had a deformed face and the urban legend and myth grew around him being the green man. And there was stories right. about him living in a tunnel and he actually glowed green, but wasn't the, the truth at all. He was actually a really nice guy. Just had the deformity of the face. And I think he had some kind of electrical accident. Uh, I don't yeah. know the whole story on it, but I, he was a real person and and he wasn't a, a, an urban legend or myth or a scary yeah. monster or anything like that. But it's amazing how stories can start out um, with truth to them and get twisted and turned over time to become something completely different that they never were oh, in sure. the first place.
0: And the reason why I asked you about that interdimensional travel is that or or whether we want to call it interdimensional pockets, if not travel per se. So some people say, well, this is the reason while even historically you'll have reports of these weird creatures, like you said, and a bunch of people see them and then it stops. Mm -hmm. All right. Like everybody, everybody sees them and then, and then the sightings stop and they say, and a lot of the witnesses are credible people. And they're saying, okay, this, the, the, the reason, like, in other words, it came in through a rip and that's, it was able to leave and then it was sighted. And then that was the end of the sightings. you know, and, and and how can I say it? You know how Mothman has that reputation of being either something bad's going to happen or something?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: A lot of these cryptids, there's no hidden meaning be you know, be, uh, behind seeing them. You just see them, we get wigged out, of course.
1: Yeah, and then they're gone. And then that's it. Yep. And that's happened yeah. here in, in southwestern Pennsylvania. We have an area that's notorious um, in the region. It's called the Chestnut Ridge. And okay. it's an area that runs, it's a furthest Western mountain Ridge of the Allegheny mountains, the further, furthest Western side of the Appalachian mountains here in Pennsylvania. It runs through four counties and into the Northwestern, uh, West Virginia. All right. And there is a long history of all kinds of phenomenon that goes on up there from hauntings, haunted locations, UFOs, strange lights, strange lights in the forest, um, various anomalies from, um, cryptids to strange creatures um there's just so much phenomenon that goes on it's become legendary in this area and um it's it's just one reporter actually called it in the 1980s he wrote a newspaper article and he called it the twilight zone of pennsylvania just so much strange stuff happens here and that's i'm i live right in the foothills of it so i do a lot of my research there but we get all kinds of weird phenomena, not just Bigfoot reports, not just Thunderbird reports. I mentioned the gargoyle. Uh, study. Ah, that that that's
0: that's, um,
1: wow. crazy. And, and Stan Gordon had documented in one of his books about a dragon that was reportedly seen flying over a guy walking his dog back in, uh, I believe it was the early, I want to say the late 2000, maybe 2014, 15, somewhere in that time frame. uh uh-huh. um, yeah. The, he claims he saw a dragon. He saw it well enough. It was at dusk. He saw it. He saw a uh, outside um, pole lamp and it lit up the area. He saw it well enough that he said it wasn't a bird. It wasn't a plane. It, he could see the talons. He could see the leathery skin on it. It wasn't like a thunderbird. It was a dragon. And we get these weird reports all the time. Um, I talked to Stan. I, as I meant, you mentioned he was my mentor. I still work with Stan today. I talked mm-hmm. to him probably once or twice a week on the phone and he relays cases to me that he's gotten credible eyewitnesses, police officers, law enforcement yeah. officers who see a shadowy humanoid figure cross the road in front of their vehicle that you can barely make out a form, but it's there and it doesn't have any facial features or doesn't have any distinct features, no clothing on it, nothing you can see, but a form that looks like a human cross the road in front of a vehicle and disappear. Just right. weird stuff like that happens in this Chestnut Ridge area all the time. Um, I've experienced stuff. My research partners have experienced stuff. Um, there's no rhyme, or reason for it. We we don't know why this area is notorious for the sightings, but they go on for a long, long period of time, and then they stop. They'll completely right. stop. We'll have a we'll have a uh, a flap, if you will, of Bigfoot sightings that go on for a year or two, and then it goes deadly quiet, and we don't have any Bigfoot reports. Right, like it's on a
0: cycle or something that's going on that yeah. drives UFOs, the behavior, or whatever.
1: The UFO reports are, are constant. They're, they're all year round, they happen all year round, and hundreds, of, if not thousands of people have seen stuff in the skies. So that's a constant. But the cryptids, um, that's a, a cyclical thing where you know it happens, it goes away, it happens, it goes away. And we get those one-offs, like I mentioned, the gargoyle. That mm-hmm. I believe that was seen a couple of times by different people, but ever since that little burst of reports came right. out, nothing since. The dragon was a one and done. Um, I don't think I bet he ever-
0: never went to walk his dog at twilight
1: again. I wouldn't be walking my dog at Twilight if I saw a dragon outside. <laughs> I'd be, be like, uh-huh, uh, do the dog have... couldn't go in the bathroom of my house. Yeah, I'd like, <laughs> be like,
0: all right, sorry, sorry, boy, but. Yeah. Let me ask you something, Eric. Have you ever had, I don't want to say something follow you home, but have you ever had any investigations and all of a sudden you started having, is that your cat?
1: That's my cat. He's a big mouth. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh, don't worry. I have nine dogs. I have a lot of animals. I get it. I get it. Um <laughs> Did you ever have stuff that after an investigation, things started happening in your house, weird stuff?
1: Uh, yeah. Um Yeah, that's a whole different can of worms. Um, I know. I, I don't know. We had we bought a house in 2017, my wife and I, and we moved in and w- once we moved in, weird stuff started happening and um a lot of activity happened for probably about four years and then for no reason it just stopped um and i'm not a paranormal investigator while i have my own ghost Mm -hmm. group i do go on paranormal investigations with other teams i'm I'm a member of several groups that i go out and investigate with them but i'm not a paranormal investigator per se i'm my thing is cryptids and and is. With uh, the speciality and looking into Bigfoot phenomenon, so right. I've gone to, to paranormal investigations. I've gone to haunted locations, many haunted locations. I can't say if something follow me home or not, but it's it's really weird how we moved into the house and then things started happening, and it w- it was so active in our house for four years. Uh, we had cabinets ripped off the wall. What? Uh, yes, we had a. Kitchen oh my cabinet god! Wait wait, off wait, the wait, wall. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <that couple>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been doing paranormal investigations since the 1990s. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying that that's on the scale of manifestation. That's like way out there. Um, did you did you know the history on the house at all?
1: I, I was doing research on the house to find out if there was any history on it. And mm-hmm. we found out the house was built in 1973. We live okay. in uh, a normal neighborhood housing plan. Um, Right. There's nothing special about this neighborhood. Nobody died Mm -hmm. in the house. Um, the couple that moved into the house in 73, when the house was built was the only couple that lived here and Mm -hmm. they lived here for 40 years before they sold it to us and moved out. They didn't tell us anything weird that happened in the house. We didn't get any weird vibes in the house when we were looking at it or, or, you know, checking out the rooms or, I mean, this was our dream house. It It was perfect for my family. So, we never. I never found anything out about the house that's strange or unusual. Are you um, gonna say,
0: "Wow, I wish I'd known about this"?
1: Yeah, I mean, nothing jumped out at me. Um, mm-hmm. I had. We've had. I remember correctly. I'm trying to think. One, two, three, four different psychic mediums in the house to um, conduct uh, readings and investigations. I've had five paranormal, different paranormal groups in my house to conduct investigations. It was that active. And what what did they tell you? Um, different things actually, which was kind of surprising. Um, I was
0: going to say, did any of them agree on anything or no. that you were like, oh, and that, and then, okay.
1: No. Mm-hmm. And one paranormal group told me there was a ghost, um, of a little girl that didn't like me. And that was why she was so aggressively pounding on the walls and slamming doors and turning TVs on. And, um, wh- why she ripped the counter, the kitchen cabinet off, off the wall and dropped it in the middle of the kitchen floor. <laughs> Some um, little girl. Yeah, we had um, another one tell us that someone died in the neighborhood and their spirit was haunting our house. So okay. we, we had so many different reasons why our house was haunted. It right. was, it's difficult to tell who was you know accurate and who wasn't with, with mm-hmm. not finding anything in the history maybe right. they were all wrong. I don't know. Um, the last um, person we had in here was a sensitive uh, clairvoyant and she did a, a blessing and a cleansing on the house. And on the property Mm -hmm. and after that we haven't had anything um to that scale of activity in the house but we have it started with with knocking on the wall three o'clock in the morning where something would knock and wake me up um the first major thing that happened that really convinced me something was going on was um i'm a light sleeper and i hear a lot of noises that wake me up and i heard what i thought was my son get up from his bedroom And our bedroom is right next door to his. The two doors almost connect. I heard Mm -hmm. his door open and shut. I heard somebody walking down the hall. And when I heard his door shut, I woke up and I yelled out to him. I said, is that you? And I got no answer. And he usually answered, said, yeah, it's me, dad. Or, you know, I'm going down the basement, whatever. And I heard this person walk down the hallway, turn the corner and go down the steps. And we live in a split level ranch. So there's a, two sections, uh, two set of stairs. One goes down to the landing of the front door and then down to our finished basement where I'm at right now. And mm-hmm. I heard somebody walk down the steps and go down into our garage. I heard a garage door open and shut. And I was thinking, oh my God, somebody's in our house. So I jumped right. out of bed and made a beeline down to the basement. And when I walked into the finished basement, all the lights were off. The garage door was shut. I was not hearing any sound. So I went into the garage When I opened the garage door, the lights in the garage were out. I turned them on and I pulled the garage door shut behind me and I checked around the garage. There's nobody in the garage. I thought that's that's really weird. When I turned around to come back into the finished basement, all the lights in the finished basement were on and I had not turned them on. So I stood there just puzzled for a few minutes thinking, okay, <clears throat> I see this stuff on TV. I see these people talk about this stuff happening and I've never had this stuff happen to me. And before, this is so not my imagination because what's, what's going on here. And from okay. there it es- it escalated into banging on the wall, doors slamming shut, TVs coming on and off, not just one TV in the house, multiple TVs coming on and off. Um, we have an electric fireplace here in the basement. that comes, has come on by itself. Um okay our dogs would bark at nothing. They'd be staring down the hallway, growling and barking, but there's nothing there. The footsteps. um, Gosh, so much stuff happened. Um, October of 2019, about two 30 in the morning, I'm sound asleep. My wife's sound asleep. And as I said, I'm a light sleeper and I hear this huge crash. And I sat up in bed and looked at my wife. And the first thing we thought was, okay, the cats knocked something off the table or knocked a chair over or something. My wife, Got out of bed, walked down the hallway into the kitchen. I heard her say, oh, bleep. My son got up because he heard it. He went in the kitchen. He saw, he went, oh, bleep. And I thought, well, I better get up and go look. So uh-huh. I walked to the kitchen and I said, oh, bleep. And what had happened is we had a two-door cupboard that was solidly attached to the wall, get ripped off the wall and dropped in the middle of the kitchen floor and shattered into pieces. And Holy I looked crap. at the wall, and the nails and the screws that were holding that cabinet in place were still in the wall. So something pulled that cabinet off the wall with. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you'll see that the they're still attached to the thing, and they ripped out of the wall, but they're attached to the furniture.
1: Yeah, but nails you're saying no nails in, there was no nails in that cupboard. They were all out. Of, they were still all attached to the wall. So that kind of freaked us out a little bit, thinking, man, whatever's uh, here has if, if it is a spirit or whatever's here that isn't happy for starters and it has that right. much energy and force to be able to rip a cabinet off the wall yeah um yes something happened shortly after that that, that kind of convinced me that we definitely had something paranormal going on in our house and that's why we got the the teams in here to investigate um i bought a riding lawnmower a riding tractor and i kept it in our garage for storage and i had bought a um a bag catcher for the back of it and it has this pretty heavy bar that holds the bag catcher in place and it wasn't attached to the riding mower yet it was sitting on my bench which was on the opposite side of my son's car and the lawn the riding lawn is on the back side of my son's car and while sleeping one night i heard a huge crash in the basement and i got up and came down thinking oh here we go again open the garage door go in the lights are off nobody's in the garage door and started looking around and here that grass-catching bag bar left my bench and was thrown over my son's car and was on the floor behind his car, a good seven, eight feet, 10 feet. Um, and I hadn't touched yeah, it. My that's... son hadn't touched it. So something picked it up and moved it pretty far. You know far how much
0: force and... it needs? Some How much psychic force? Yeah, a lot. It needs
1: <laughs> to, to, to,
0: you know, that's that's a lot, quite yeah. a lot. And, and <clears throat> that—that—that's. We that, that, let me we ask were, you just out of curiosity that last sensor that you
1: said that after she did the blessing did she ever tell you what she thought it was she's the one that thought that, that someone in the neighborhood committed suicide and had died and was clo- in close proximity to our house and was kind of moving mm-hmm. in and out of our house okay um she did a, a sage clean cleansing on the house a blessing on the house and then a blessing on the property outside and since she did that last year we haven't had a lot of very much activity if anything happen. it's been really quiet but okay. for those good four years from 2017 up into probably the beginning of 2021 wow. it was it was active i mean stuff was happening almost on a daily basis and it wasn't scary stuff i wasn't scared of it my wife it was more annoying to her uh, and sure. to me, it was fascinating. I wanted to find out what exactly was causing it and you know, what was going on here. Um, there were a couple of times that really concerned me when I heard my son in the garage yell out like he was he hurt himself, like he cut, whether he cut himself or what it was. I heard him yell out like he was in pain and I rushed in the garage looking for him and I was yelling all through the house. Where are you? He's sitting up back on the back porch swing. He was talking to his girlfriend on the phone. And I'm like, did you just scream? And he said, no. I said, did you get hurt? No? Well, something in the garage sounded exactly like you that sounded like you got hurt really bad. And it wasn't him. He was out back and didn't make a peep. So when something starts mimicking your family... Oh, you know, yeah. And by the way, that's not a residual
0: haunting. That's an intelligent haunting. Yeah, that's, that's not just, like that's something, something that...
1: So yeah. to answer your question about if something followed me home, um, I, I don't know. Um, and you I, know what? The, the reason why I, say, I ask this is that I've heard... You know, a lot of people... Um,
0: You know, you you hear about these paranormal investigators that they go on a paranormal thing, and then something follows them home, and you still could get the reason why I say you could be doing an investigation into how can I say it a cryptid case, mm-hmm. or the reason why I say this <clears throat> I used to um, I used to attend some meetings for uh, the uh, UFO awareness whatever, and I remember they what a lot of times I spoke to some other people that would tell me that they had had UFO sightings and then they started having paranormal activity in their house mm-hmm. and they couldn't understand why, you know, it was like one thing they were, they would, you know, you have people talk, like, have you ever heard of this? You know, I, I remember seeing, and sometimes it wasn't even, it was just a sighting, not a UFO, not no ET, no abduction, nothing like that. Right. And then after that, they start having weird stuff going on in their house. And they're like, and it was more than one person. Um, and that's and why I mentioned walk,
1: earlier that I, I think maybe there is some kind of connection between all the phenomenon.
0: Right. Or, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch phenomena mm-hmm. out in, in Utah. Yeah. Where you're thinking, okay, here you have these signings of all these cryptids, weird stuff, God knows, you know, dire, dire wolves. I mean, <laughs> and then you right. hear that the family that used to live there was at the Sherman's. Yeah. We're having all these paranormal experiences inside in the house. their house,
1: right? Yep.
0: You know, so you're thinking, so what? What is it? Are we are we talking here? You know, cryptid, uh, UFO, ET thing? But then they're they were having really weird stuff going on in the house.
1: Yeah. So there's a, there's a pretty famous quote out there, and I I can't remember who said it, but um, it goes something along the lines that the more you stare into the abyss, eventually the abyss starts to stare back at you.
0: Yes. Yes, it does.
1: So, yeah, I think the the longer you investigate paranormal claims and and paranormal phenomenon and cryptids, eventually you're going to draw the attention of something and you may not like the results. I mean, I I wasn't purposefully looking for something to follow me home, but if it did follow me home, it, it it let me know it was here for a while. And and then after the cleansing, it it, haven't had any problems. But yeah, for good me, four years, it was like, pretty intense in this house.
0: Well, and, and like you said, you know, the couple that lived there, and obviously they were alive when they sold it, yeah. and they didn't mention it. And you can say, well, but uh, it would be hard to overlook a phenomena of that. At that level, this was not like, oh, every once in a while, you know, you'll hear a door cl- close, or you'll hear steps, or the toilet will flush. You know, something that's, eh. But what uh, you're describing is way out there.
1: Oh, Way was, out there. I... It was so intense. It was just, <laughs> I, I started writing a journal of everything that was going on. I kept track for about mm-hmm. four months and I had like eight pages of stuff that had happened almost okay. on a daily basis. And whether it would okay. be footsteps or knocking or the TV coming on or the door slamming shut, something was always happening. And it got to the point where we were just getting kind of used to it. We we're like, what's going to happen today, you know, and kind of expecting something to happen. Um, it wasn't scary or terrifying. I mean, we didn't see any right. scary dark shadows in the house or anything ominous. It didn't feel oppressive. It didn't feel like there was anything scary. We had a couple of those WTF moments, like when the cupboard came off yeah. in the kitchen and that lawn, that yeah. lawnmower bar. I mean, this big metal heavy bar that sat on the back of the riding lawnmower. And that, that was moved. A couple of moments like that were like, wow, or hearing my son in the garage and, He's, he's clearly not in the garage. This this kind of right. things are, are, they make you kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit and like, wow.
0: Did you have the phenomena in the entire house or was it restricted just to certain areas? No, like it was the entire the house. Um, Everywhere.
1: Yeah. When it first started, it seemed like it was just the knocking upstairs in our bedroom and it would be uh-huh. three distinct knocks. I mean, even to the point where my wife would sit up in bed and she, she'd nudge me and go, Did you hear that? And I'm laying awake, laying there hoping that she heard it. So I wasn't going insane. You know, she'd be like, did you hear that? I'm like, yep, I heard it. Or I asked my son, did you hear that? And he, he heard something. Um, it just, that was the beginning of it when we heard the knocking and that went on for weeks and then it kind of intensified from there. Yep. Yeah. It really ramped up.
0: That is incredible. But yeah, it's very possible that what she told you is accurate. I have heard of, because, you know, sometimes a lot of people think like when they look at, you know, the phenomenon of a haunting or something, they always look at well, It had to have happened on this property or in this house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you will have that. I mean, I've done cases where there's been an accident at an intersection close by. And for some reason the hunt, Somebody in the neighborhood picks picks it up. I had another right. one where the there was a child got hit by a car in that neighborhood. And the kid went over to their house because he used to live there. And they moved. They moved out of state. They moved down here to Florida. And they started having all this phenomena go on. Basically, hmm. what it turned out was this child that had gotten. You would think, well, why wouldn't the kid go home that that was a case of a hunting it's because the the kid would you play with their kids
1: right right? so
0: sometimes yeah yeah, you, you get where it doesn't necessarily have to have happened right on that property if that was the case yeah but yeah that sounds that sounds very possible but you know what I know that everything has died down but to be perfectly honest with you that degree of force sounds like something that's non human that's my experience of we had stuff like that with, with an yeah. elemental spirit or something. But
1: we had a, one of our the mediums that came in here um, when she was standing in the garage, her and her husband, she said to me, she said, there's two entities here in the house. One is a fatherly figure. And she described my late father-in-law almost to a T. Okay. And my wife started tearing up because she was describing, she said, he's protecting you from what's darker in this house. And there's something right. here you haven't seen it yet. It hasn't really made its presence known, but it's waiting, and it's biding its time. But that other spirit's protecting you and keeping you safe from what this thing really wants to do. And and again, we, we didn't have anything malevolent happen. Uh, it never felt oppressive. Right. Um, I would I never felt fear from my family except for those really off the moment couple things that happened. I was a little concerned, but I never felt like there was anything dark or malevolent in the house just in my opinion, but she did tell us that. So who knows? Right. I really don't know. But whatever was here, um, in my opinion, was strong enough to rip a, a cover yeah, off the wall and throw a metal bar across the room and to be able right. to turn TVs on, slam doors shut, and kick on our electric fireplace here in the basement. Uh, that's That takes, that takes some energy. Psychic. Yeah. Yes, it does.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, but it does.
1: Fortunately, it died down, and hopefully, it stays that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you. Right before, and I and I know you might not remember at this point because who knows. Right before you moved into the house, because you're telling me basically the 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 triggering event was once you moved into this house that that you you know had you been doing any type of investigations no. in um in a rural setting outside of the city or anything like that.
1: Just my Bigfoot stuff. Um, and that's the, usually done in the, either the Chestnut Ridge or in rural mm-hmm. settings, forests and stuff like that. Um, okay. I, but I wasn't doing any paranormal research at that time now.
0: No, no, no. The reason why I say it is that I wouldn't be surprised if maybe what you had in there was an elemental spirit, which is that, that, that that's able to exhibit that amount of force. By the way, just so on an aside, you know, um, I, I did, I was a practicing hypnotist for many years, a hypnotherapist. Believe it or not, throughout the years, I did have a couple of people contact me because they had seen a cryptid and they, 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 they um, they wanted to, for, they, they did they weren't able to sleep <laughs> they They were a wreck. Right. And they ended up calling me or contacting me because they, one of them was, I, I you know, he basically was, um had problems sleeping. He was uh, walking around like wigged out. Another one wanted me to make him forget the event of what he had seen crossing the road. Sure. Um, Because it's surprising. And these were things that were spaced out between years. Another one was uh, an experience he saw when he uh, went with his son hunting, uh, where these people, they they can't make... In other words, once they see this, and by talking to them, you could tell these are rational people. That they try so hard to make it fit into something and they mm-hmm. can't. And then it's like their whole world kind of goes sideways. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if this is possible, what else out there that supposedly doesn't exist or is just the subject of a sci-fi movie? Does that exist too? And for some people, it's it was it's really, really hard. Um that they they it, it affects them a lot of a lot of stuff that they took for granted that they would normally not be afraid of. It it changes them profoundly. I'll tell oh, you I've, that seen, much. I've
1: seen it too, yeah. In my, my case, across I've, that, yeah, I've seen it change people, um, traumatically. I mean, mm-hmm. to them, it, it's not supposed to exist, and then they yes. see it and they experience it. And I mean, what we're told in going to school and by our parents, like, like I said, monsters aren't supposed to exist. There's, yes, you know, it's under your bed. It's a story to scare you and to keep you behaved and keep you in bed at mm-hmm. night. Um, don't go in the woods at night; the boogeyman will get you. Well, you know, it's, it's to keep kids safe. Now, these are stories that we're right. told, but um, I think people are kind of shocked when they find out that maybe there really is a boogeyman or there is some kind of monster <laughs> hiding in your closet. Or under right, your especially if you're an adult. Yeah, and so um, it changes the world profoundly. Yes, I, it does. I, I have people that still. I've seen the, the spectrum of it, the opposite spectrum of it, where people have had a sighting or an encounter, and they become so engulfed and so obsessed with it, they want to go looking for it again, and they become researchers and start mm-hmm. trying to learn more about it. And the opposite side of things, they never want to talk about it again. They clam up. Yeah. They they have a mental block on it. Um, yes. In your case, they they want to forget. Um, so, yeah. I've seen both ends of the spectrum on it. They
0: want to go. I want to like. I want to be the person I was before I saw that. Yeah. Basically, it's what they want. Right. I want to live that uh, ignorance is bliss thing that I had going on, which I didn't know how blissful it was. And, you know, basically, you can't do that. You know, we, we, there's other ways to to address it with hypnosis. But, yeah, you had a lot of – I had people when they talked to me where the, to them, especially as an adult, and I want to say it especially for men, it was like I can't I can't stand being this fearful. I can't. And I, I don't know how to – not feel that way again unless i like you said block it out or forget it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um you know people that that know i don't lie to myself i know what i saw so yeah yep and uh i'm sure you've uh like you said you run across it where um you know they 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 don't how how's this they don't ever want to be in a situation where they will ever again have that experience contrary to the ones that run off and want to do uh Bigfoot knockings and find Bigfoot. Yeah. Which one? Well, one last question. Do you think Do you think that that that's intelligent, or if we don't know exactly
1: what we're communicating to a Bigfoot, should people be a little bit more cautious with that? I do it, and I throw caution in the wind when it comes okay. to that because I don't know what we're saying. I mean, the wood knocking. Who knows what it means? There's speculation. Right. We could be communicating, saying hello, we're here. It could be a warning sign. Who knows what it could be. The, the okay. calls that people do, they do the whoop calls and mm-hmm. the howls and the screams. We don't know what we're saying to the Bigfoot. It, it could be a mating call for all we know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's comes, like, yeah, who shows comes up? Big, yeah, because that Bigfoot through the woods full speed because he thinks you're a female and he's going to have his uh-huh. way. And yeah, yeah, I don't I don't encourage it. But like I said, I throw caution in the wind and I'm yeah. guilty of doing that. I, I want to get a response. I want to hear this thing knock okay. back or I want to hear it howl back at me. That's what I my intent is. And hopefully we can capture something on audio recording. But uh, it's not something that if you're, if you're not experienced and you're not prepared for the result, I wouldn't suggest doing it. Because right. it's like the, the, old, the old adjective, um, be careful what you wish for.
0: Have you ever come across um, an area that belongs to maybe to a group of Bigfoot? Because I've heard of this or where people leave them food and they actually... Um, in other words, they have like a common trading area where people leave things for them or food and things like that. Have you ever come across that?
1: No, I, they call it gifting and I don't get involved mm-hmm. in the gifting stuff. I just, I don't, I've never experienced it myself and I don't know anybody personally that has. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen people's stories and, and, and different things on social media and in the internet when they talk about it. I don't think there's any validity to it. Um, okay just simply because i've never experienced it myself so i can't say that there is just what i'm hearing from other people i don't don't see why a bigfoot would want to exchange gifts with people this is right right it exactly make sense to me you know why would you leave we, my buddy and i were watching a video tonight where people left like this huge smorgasbord of food we're talking like moon pies pepperoni pizzas <laughs> and fruit I'm, I'm serious they left Jelly beans and <laughs> all this pie. stuff and hopes out to <laughs> feed the Bigfoot and they were in turn getting gifts back to them and that's just ludicrous to me. It's just really I know. It's like that's it's like the Bigfoot are
0: like, you're not gonna believe what they've left out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't want your garbage in my woods. <laughs> it's like Moon yeah, Pie, they, what is it? Yeah, they had two big Domino's pepperoni pizzas and boxes and everything and different flavored moon pies and
0: and yeah, it's great uh, That's was just it was, just, it was amazing
1: they were showing the video of all this food laid down on this neat little trail in front of these trees and i was like said to my buddy tom i'm like this is ridiculous we were actually that laughing it.
0: also, that's another thing i mean god there's a million animals that are going to come in and
1: devour that yeah yep. and it's not going to be the bigfoot i mean yeah, how bigfoot unless you're is... hiding behind a tree who's gonna uh, yeah bigfoot's probably sitting back there laughing at these people yeah exactly. shaking his head and saying, what a moron <laughs> exactly I thought those pizzas are, oh. yeah. Right.
0: If you think about what their natural diet is, you know, right. Unless they're starving, they're not going to go for it. Exactly. Eric, I want to thank you. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I love it's your stories.
1: Thank you. And I hope you come great. back.
0: And I, as a matter of fact, um, let's see. Uh, I mean, we've uh, God, there's so so much going on with the Bigfoot thing uh, that it changes it. It's it's evolved so much. I don't know if it's because of all the interest in it or what. You know, um, I I hate to say it. Part of me is like, I don't want them to find the proof. It's like, you know, there's a mystique about it. um, That it's like, maybe uh, as much as people want that proof, like you said, like actual proof, like I've got a live one or hopefully not a dead one, but this is it. There's no, you know, makes me think that not everything is meant to be found out uh, either because one, we humanize them too much. And when yeah. I mean humanize them as like what you were talking about, the gifting, all right? Or um, the other thing that they're totally animals and some people will say, well, they can be hunted. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think that a lot stops a lot of people because there's always that human aspect. Are you killing something that's human-like or human? So right. it's not entirely yeah. an animal. So I don't know which way because I'm always afraid of what might happen as a consequence of either one. But but let's I'll, see.
1: I'll leave you with this last thought. My my mentor, Stan Gordon, has always told me the mystery is so strange that it seems to protect itself. Good guy. That's great. And, and I hope he's right. I hope he's right yeah. because this has been so much fun. I've of had course. a blast doing this the last 40 years.
0: Of course. Absolutely.
1: Again, thank you. You have been absolutely wonderful. And I want to wish you a very happy new year. Well, thank you, Marlene. It's been a pleasure to on the show and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Happy new year. Likewise, take care. Bye-bye. Good night.
0: Good night. Wow, this has been such a great interview because we talked about Bigfoot and cryptids and ghosts. (sighs) All of them in one show, which is great. Which is great. Let me tell you something. You know what? When I asked him that thing about had he ever had anything happen at his house, I never thought he was going to tell me that story that you have like a full-blown haunting going on for years. All kidding aside, do you know how much force it takes on a psychic level? Let's say for a non-corporeal being to pull a cupboard or rip it off a wall or throw a bar like what he described let me tell you something that right there that's like part of me wants to say that was definitely a non-human entity as a matter of fact uh many years ago uh one of the ones that proposed that theory was a gentleman um i I should have him back his name is kyle cobb c-o-b-b um and he, he he described he says you know what marlene whenever i go on investigations and i see um phenomena that you need a lot of force in other words to produce this phenomena right away i go in the direction that this is a non-human entity that's causing it which by the way a lot of people don't realize you could go into an investigation and you could have you could have human entities there human ghosts and you could have a non-human Also, the the, the, the reason why I say this is that you'll have some people that say, well, you know, I saw the man, the old man, the the lady, the whatever, the shadow that was human, whatever. You could have that. All right. Or or even a history of, okay, you know what, the people that used to live here, somebody died and you could have that. But then you'll have the phenomena, like what he described, where these um, these what's happening is so in your face at the time. It's like, this is not my imagination. It's not like, well, it's that, but I really thought it was the other. There's like, this is what it is. Uh, Of so much force that it it indicates a non-human source. And they're saying, but, but you know what? I saw that old man that used to live here that died in his bed. And I saw him shuffling down the hall. How come we're having all this going on? This over the top stuff, because you have both things. You have both things. Uh, you know what? And it's really interesting because I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? I know he said that the prior owners did not mention anything, which you think, well, why would you? Why would you spoil the sale of your house? But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. If you've lived 40 years of really long time in a house, I can't imagine somebody putting up with 40 years of an extreme situation like this. One thing is if you got a knocking or stuff like that, and it comes and goes and might be residual for all you know, even though it was a brand new house, but to live 40 years and have that type of activity. Nah, I don't think they would have lasted there 40 years. And, um, whether that sensitive was on the money, as far as that they had picked up a, somebody, a suicide that from that area that decided to drift over there. Sometimes people don't realize that, um, when you, sometimes the, uh, especially in an intelligent haunting, the attraction that you say, well, you know, if they just moved into this place and let's say there was the suicide there, why did it come over here? Especially if I just moved in, I'm a brand new neighbor. I didn't have that. No, like, sometimes all you need is for somebody in that household to remind that if it's a human entity, remind them of someone they knew. Okay, it could have been him. It could have been his wife. It could have been his son. Something about them, uh, like the hey, I I, I rec- if, if if they don't look like them, it reminds them of something, and they just drift over. Even though, again, based on what he described, maybe there was, or let's let's go down the rabbit hole maybe there was this was a suicide with a non-human entity attached to it which might have even figured into the suicide itself the reason for the suicide or the behavior of that human so it was like you get two for the price of one yeah it came over and and of course Obviously, you know, her, her Her dad, his father-in-law was running interference. But, yeah, that might have been where that suicide had come over with uh, with maybe what he had had attached. In the, it, because contrary to what people think, when you have some type of non-human an attachment, whether it's human or non-human, just because you die, especially if you're stuck, doesn't mean you separate. You still have the, the attachment. So as to why it it could have been anything. It could have been anything that caused it. But luckily everything was resolved. It was taken care of. And uh, I'm gonna have to bring, we have to, you know, because he, he lives real close to weird, weird Pennsylvania. Because I'm sure he's got a lot of stories, especially when you do it for a long time. This is what I love. We have somebody that's done done things, something for a long time. And again, I've said this before, you know, some of these stories, everybody, sometimes you're never going to have a point of origin as far as what caused this or when did it start or how did it get resolved? And basically what he's t- doing is when he takes all these stories from all these pe- people that have these uh, experiences that seeing a dragon, holy crap, you couldn't pry me out of the house with a crowbar after the, the sun was setting. Okay, like he said, he keeps an open mind, which I, I find admirable. No matter when you're hearing this, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. You, you, The right thing to do is exactly what he does. You take the story as told by the person that witnessed it. All right, that's it. And leave it at that. Whether you personally believe it's true or not, has nothing to do with it, okay? Because that's basically how you develop all these stories all these eyewitness stories that sometimes you can go back to and compare notes on and in some cases see okay there's a trend there's this area where this is seen there's this time of year that it's seen or like um let's 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 go to hollywood land again like that movie it that's based on the stephen king novel where this phenomena of the disappearing kids would happen every x amount of years all right and it was, remember, in the movie, the only way that they kind of figure it out is that they started doing research and saw that X amount of every X amount of years, there would be a string of children disappearing from the little town. My point being that sometimes uh being able to archive all this story without putting your personal uh, belief, disbelief into it does serve a big purpose a very big purpose especially in the let's go under the umbrella of the paranormal whether it's cryptids a ghosts bigfoot whatever whatever you want to call it time travel pick, take your pick archiving is basically invaluable um which by the way when i spoke to stan that was one of the most important things he had been doing this and getting stories for so many years That he was basically one of those, I'm sure, that no matter how weird and out there, you told him, he could say, hey, I've heard of that before. And again, you know, some of these things, that gargoyle, that's another one. Holy crap. Wow. And some of these things are thinking, okay, this is pretty hard to mistake for something else. Because... Let's say you go down the um let's say ah, you mistook a bear for Bigfoot? All right. <laughs> but uh the Thunderbird, whether it's you get the feather or the non feathered version, which is I think a pterosaur also, which is you know, the basically it's like a dinosaur age bird or wing creature, whatever, because Whether you want to call it a bird or a winged reptile. I don't know. Or the bird bird with the feathers. Um, I got to bring him back. I got to talk to him a lot about that. Anyway, guys, you know what? It's been a long day for me because I just did another show before this. This is why I look like this. Again, happy, happy new year. Hopefully 2022 will bring a lot of good things for you, yours, all of us. It's about time, right? Again, if you want to get a podcast version without commercial interruptions of any of the shows, go to miamighostchronicles.com. Go to MarleneParter.com. I have links there for the MP3 files. I also have links to the different podcast platforms that you will find. The version, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, you name it. I'm on there. You can also find me on Rumble, on BitChute, on uh, CloudHub. I have video versions of all of this you can find me on Roku. If you go to the rumble channel, it's on Roku. You can find me there, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's see. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of interesting guests coming on a lot. Yeah. I think you're going to be happy. So come back, come back every week. I think you're going to find that, uh, it's a good way to while away. Um, the hour or so and that way, you know, release your mind from all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world and think, man, there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know about. Isn't that great? Yay. Take care, guys. See you next week.